Hello, and welcome to another episode of our 20-minute playbook series, where each week I sit down with an elite performer, from iconic founders to world-renowned investors and best-selling authors, to dive into the ideas, frameworks, and strategies that got them to the top of their field, all in less than 20 minutes. I'm Dennis Scribner, and on the show today, I'm joined by Michael Brandt. Michael is the co-founder and CEO of HVMN, which makes the world's first drinkable ketones. HVMN stands for Human Via Modern Nutrition, and in 2017, they launched version 1.0 of their drinkable ketone product. After landing a $6 million contract with the U.S. Department of Defense to study how ketones could improve the performance of our Special Forces warriors, HVMN launched version 2.0 called Ketone IQ last year in November 2021. Michael is also an avid marathoner, long-distance runner, and biohacker, which we talk about a lot in this episode. In this episode, Michael shares his product design and branding principles, including his theory of synesthesia, or why every part of your aesthetic and brand has to relate to every other part. He talks about how he's gotten better at running over the years, including running for as fast as he can and for as long as he can while keeping his pulse below 140 beats per minute talks about how he uses drinkable ketones and ketone IQ in his daily life, including what products he stacks it with, talks about his favorite books on running, and we cover a ton more, including a lot about the design and engineering thought that went into HVMN. You can find the show notes and transcript for this episode at outlieracademy.com slash 119. It's 119. And you can follow Michael Brandt on Twitter at BDM underscore runner. With that, let's dive in and hear Michael Brandt's 20-minute playbook. Michael Brandt, thank you so much for coming back on Outlier Academy, this time for 20-Minute Playbook. I am thrilled to have you on and to dive into a few a few questions around performance, habits, books, a bunch of stuff. So thanks for the time. Thrilled to be back. So I want to start, um, and this is a little bit of a recap. I know we just spent a lot of time talking about your background and what you're building at HVMN. Um, but since this is a new episode, some people might not be familiar. Can you just share a quick sketch of, um, you know, a little bit about yourself and a little bit about what you're building at HVMN? Sure. My background is I'm from Chicago originally. I studied computer science and product design at Stanford. I got into biohacking and elite performance, became a semi-pro marathon runner myself. I run six-minute miles for the marathon and have built along the way this amazing community and company around HVMN, Health Via Modern Nutrition. Our flagship product is something called Ketone IQ. We have a $6 million contract with the U.S. Special Operations Command. Andreessen Horowitz led our seed round. We have a ton of momentum into this space. Ketone IQ in particular, it's the most effective ketone delivery product. Ketones you may have heard of where it's the same ketone that your body makes if you do a ketogenic diet, if you're doing intermittent fasting, if you're exercising a lot, your body will make ketones. Your body naturally makes ketones when it when you're pushed to your limits. They're this super efficient form of fuel. And what we've developed in Ketone IQ is a way to drink that directly so that instead of running a marathon to make your body make ketones, you can sip on it. And in 10 minutes, you'll have elevated blood ketone levels and all the benefits that come from there. So we see it very much as a nutritional primitive. Everyone is doing metabolism all of the time, whether you're a pro cyclist or you're sitting at your desk working on spreadsheets, or you're an older person trying to stay sharp, or you're trying to lose weight. We're all doing metabolism all the time. And ketones are a primitive that plug into our metabolism and have potential for a wide array of people. 
That's perfect. And, and Ketone IQ is a drinkable supplement. I highly recommend it. And we'll, in the show notes, which people can find uh, at outlieracademy.com, we'll include links to Ketone IQ. Uh, but I highly recommend everyone uh, at least look at it, explore it, and see, and see if it's a, a fit for, for you and your supplement stack. But uh, we always start by asking about a recent fascination. Is there anything you've been intrigued with lately or anything you can't stop thinking about? Yes. Barefoot running and <laughs> spending time barefoot in general. It's something I've been dabbling with and just recently gotten really into. So my, my normal run, I usually run seven, eight miles in the morning. And I go. I live in Los Angeles now and I, I go in Griffith Park and run this loop. And I've been dabbling with, you know, normal, I used to, just, I used to just wear running shoes. And then I started wearing Vibrams, the the toe shoes that maybe people, they look kind of freaky, uh, and, and got into those. And then more recently, I've been just running straight barefoot. So I, I've gone on a few runs now, where I'm just barefoot for seven miles. And when I go to the gym, and I do deadlifts, I wear my Vibram. I don't. I don't go barefoot at the gym. It's a little too grody there. Um, <laughs> I wear my Vibrams at the gym, but that basically getting obsessed around barefoot. Your feet have twenty thousand nerve endings in them. They're like your hands, and there's a lot of proprioception that takes place when your feet interact with the ground. That makes your feet stronger, and it also importantly sends signals up the rest of your, of your kinetic chain. So the way that your foot hits the ground sends a signal to your calves and your quads and your glutes and makes them all fire correctly. So one way to think about shoes is it's like trying to type at your keyboard with boxing gloves on. Like you're just not getting the fidelity of resolution of signal that you ought to be getting. And now look, if I'm going to run the Boston Marathon and I want to set a PR, I'm absolutely wearing shoes. Yes, shoes work. They make their springs on your feet. They make you work they make you run quicker for sure. However, when it comes to deadlifting, when it comes to running, your form will be significantly increased and improved if you have that ground feel. I think so, at least. And I think there's some good science to back it up. You're not going to run fast, but you're going to run better such that when you do put your shoes on, you're going to be like lightning. So I, we can do a whole hour about barefoot and <laughs> running mechanics and all that. And I, I, suffice it to say, uh, I, I run a lot big marathon runner and barefoot running has become an increasingly big part of my, my yeah. training. You've slowly made the move from shoes to toe shoes to completely bare feet. <laughs> yes. I think that's about as far as it goes. Uh, no, it's fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> um, we always ask as well about superpowers. And one of the things that I wanted to ask is, you know, when you think about building the company product and team that are HVMN today, what do you think of as your superpowers and how have those helped you build the company? I'd say my superpowers are I speak a lot of different languages, so to speak, across what it takes to run a business. I know enough about all of the aspects. I know enough about the core science of what we're doing. I know enough about design. I was a professor at the Academy of Art in San Francisco, studied design in undergrad. I know enough about building websites, computer science major. I know enough about finance. I know my way around a PL and a balance sheet. I do not consider a few of these things I do consider myself to be like A plus. But for most of the aspects of running a business, I think I'm good enough to where I know what A plus looks like. I am not the designer on the team anymore, but I'm a good enough designer where I can call out the difference between A versus A plus. 
I'm good enough at retail sales where I might not be the guy on the phone, guy or gal on the phone, but I know what good sales motion looks like. I would say that's my secret power. And I think as I've matured as a leader, it's also just being really smart about getting a new initiative going with that, you know, founder grit, that B-level execution, and very quickly getting out of my own way, hiring that A-plus person, and and just being honest with myself. I'm not the best at the world this, at the new thing. I'm good enough. I, I, I think of myself as a spare tire. I can get any new initiative going to convince myself or other people that it's it's a new frontier, and then quickly hiring the person who's actually world-class at that. And yeah, I attribute that. I went to a really cool public school in Chicago where I was in the I was in the honors IB program there. I was doing all the advanced classes, but there, I mean, there were fights breaking out. People were getting, I got robbed a couple of times. It was a very rough part of my high school too. I ended up being class president. I In high school, I, I was captain of the soccer team, but I also captain of the math team. Like I, In high <laughs> school growing up, I had to speak all these different languages. I re- rode the public transportation to school, like I, but I also went to International Science Fair. Like I, I had to speak a lot of different languages, and I think that that I always carry that forward with me as as a leader through life. Yeah, I think that's really powerful. I love, and maybe the shorthand for that is, um, you know, that you're a great spare tire. Which is, I've never heard that yes. term, but I mean, I think it's 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 really well said. It's really well said. We. I always love to ask people about tools as well, too. And uh, as the founder of HVMN, you know, you make drinkable ketones. I imagine when you, and you talked about in the last interview that you've spent a bunch of time biohacking. So my kind of very broad question is, what are some of your favorite tools or products around optimizing your physical or mental performance? And they could be biohacking products. It could also be work specific. What comes to mind? Off the bat, one of my favorites is continuous glucose monitor. Levels is an awesome brand in this space. There's a few others too. It's really cool to be able to see the inside of your own metabolism, what's going on. Your blood glucose is a key biomarker. It's really cool to be able to see how that is moving around throughout the day based on what you're eating, based on how you're moving. I don't wear a CGM constantly, 24-7. What I have done is worn it for, for streaks of time and you learn a lot about how your body's interacting with with your diet and your lifestyle. And then you kind of update your personal brain's firmware and you learn, okay, yeah, like that, this is good. This is bad. Like it's, you know, if I have sugar before bedtime, there's just like a massive spike in blood glucose that interferes with my ability to sleep. Let me not do that anymore. Or if I'm going to do that, I'm at least like knowing, know what I'm signing up for. So there's, Continuous glucose monitors, I think, is huge. I'm a big fan when it comes to running. I you know, heart rate monitors really clutch. I I got I got quick at marathoning quickly. Like I be, I became a fast marathon runner within a course of a few years because I would measure really specifically what I was doing. So specifically, a heart rate monitor. There's different ones. I, the the highest fidelity one that I've seen is the chest strap. So you know, Garmin. We'll make it they, a few other brands will make a whoop will make a i believe makes a chest strap that speed it can talk to your wristwatch wrist tends to be a little bit less signal than just actually on your chest one way to get better at running just a quick quick fun fact on running is i'll go on runs where i will constrain myself to not not go above 140 bpm but i'll run as fast as i can 
while keeping my heart rate relatively low. It's this very Zen exercise because it's it's like as soon as you as soon as you try to go too fast, you like you break the rule. So you got to go like fast, but like calmly and smoothly. And so it, it's really cool because you're, you're not going to be going as fast as you humanly can, but you will see that if you if you practice that for weeks and months at that 140 BPM, you go from oh eight minute miles to seven and a half minute miles to seven minute miles. It's really cool to see. And and the whole time it feels really easy. And so then you're able to go and do it again the next day. So I love a CGM. I love a high quality heart rate monitor. I love it. Well, I love that tip on running. You know, we talked in the last episode about um, that at HVMN, you have a $6 million contract with the Department of Defense, of Defense, specifically around Special Operations Command. And, you know, your advice there around going slow, but to go fast actually reminds me of a, the Navy SEAL phrase, which is slow is smooth and smooth is fast. So it's like that applied to running <laughs> by just trying Absolutely. to keep yourself at that, you know, 140 or lower pace is fascinating. Um, I want to ask you a question specifically around ketone IQ. And what I wanted to ask there was, you know, we had talked before about, um, and and you mentioned this in the interview, that uh, people can take ketone IQ. It's basically ketones you can just drink um, that go through your digestive system, get into your bloodstream, cross the blood-brain barrier, uh, and give you really high quality of energy. You can also stack that with caffeine. You can stack that with a nootropic. uh, You can stack that with protein. You can stack it with a bunch of things. Do you, how, so I guess my questions are, how do you use and how do you take ketone IQ day to day? And do you stack it with anything? I generally have it first thing in the day with, I have a few things in the morning. I'll have athletic greens and coffee. And we also make a omega-3 vitamin D supplement. I'll have ketones alongside of those. It's really interesting. We talked a lot on the last episode about how ketones are a substrate. So whenever your body has an energy demand for any type of function, there's some fuel that is providing energy for that demand. And ketones as this really efficient form of energy are great for that. So they're this infinitely stackable supplement where like caffeine, you don't want to just have it at at night. It's going to keep you up. You want to have it at in the morning, not at night. Ketones are more flexible where whatever whatever you're doing throughout the day, ketones can help them. And it's really interesting when you're taking something that's psychoactive in any way, like caffeine causes a psychoactive sense of alertness, right? It's blocking your adenosine. If you're taking caffeine, if you're taking other nootropics, other plant-based medicines, then you're creating an increase in brain activity and that's creating an increase in brain energy demand. And where's that energy coming from? So ketones plug into all these different nootropics. So my specific answer, I mean, I, I, I like caffeine plus ketones. And I think a lot of people are doing interesting things with like microdosing or with breath work or basically anything that you are doing to increase brain activity in some way. The question is, where is that fuel coming from and what's the best form of fuel? And that's where ketone IQ is a really interesting addition to that stack. Yeah, it's super interesting. I mean, and that's a really helpful rule to just generalize it uh, to, yeah, anything that's physical or, I mean, what was fascinating to me about, you know, diving into this more was it really is one, a way to... Uh, it's just the ideal energy source anytime you want to operate at your peak, whether under physical stress or mental stress or a little bit of both, or where you want to just be able to be at the top of your physical um, you know, capabilities and mental capabilities. So I love that as a generalization. Um, I want to ask a question, which is, 
to talk about the philosophy of how you've built a product. And this is specifically the product, not so much the company. Um, and, and I'm talking about Ketone IQ. And, you know, so one, you have a fascinating background in that you've done, you've studied product design. You've also studied design. Uh, you have a lot of lenses that you're bringing to this work. And so the question that I wanted to ask was, if you had to distill down your product design philosophy into a couple of principles or just a few words, what comes to mind? And I know it's a very difficult question, but the reason I want to ask is, you know, you have it sitting right behind you. Anyone watching the interview can see this. If you're, if you're listening, you can't. But, uh, you know, right behind Michael's, this really beautiful poster of Ketone IQ, and it is just a beautiful product. And so clearly you've, there's something that you guys have nailed and gotten very right about product design. I'm curious about the philosophy and principle behind that. Thanks. That's high praise. And there's you know, tens of thousands of hours that go into being good at design. And, and to distill it down to a couple, I think the one that pops into my mind off the top is it should just work. That explaining is losing. And if you can have a general philosophy for yourself, for your team around sanding down edges, making it so that it requires less explanation, it's more obvious more easy to use. People don't have to read the manual. It just works. You don't want people to have to spend a lot of cognitive overload understanding your brand. They just won't is the thing. It's not like, oh, it's going to make their lives hard. Like they, People are busy. We're in this attention economy. Attention is the ultimate premium. If people have to you know, read this thing, click on this menu talk to your support team like that that can be there for the advanced users we i always think about it in levels like the product needs to just work out of the box level 101 you should also have a way for people to double click in so a qr code on your bottle a your customer success team should be super responsive you should have hour and a half long podcasts on your own channel and talking to other people where people can, where your customers can learn more, have that 201, 301 level understanding, but you cannot forget like it. Most people don't have the attention span for it. If you're going yeah. to build a mainstream product, it needs to just work, right? Uber doesn't have like, a, there's no onboarding to Uber. It's just, there's a map. Do you want a car? Cool. Tinder. Do you like this person? Swipe left. You don't swipe right. right? Like the best products just work out of the box. Yep. And everyone, knows that but then once it comes down down to your own precious baby it's like it's very easy to forget that um okay so it should just work the other thing okay the other thing i think is, is insightful interesting is this notion of synesthesia which is that the different senses across the way that people are experiencing your product should all map to one another hmm. where some people synesthesia is like Specifically, it's where some people, they see the color red and they have a certain taste in their mouth, that their the wires in their brain kind of cross. And when they hear a certain sound, they think of a certain number that like when they're experiencing the world, their perception crosses different senses. When you're building a brand, you want to do that on purpose. So we've made it a decided effort that the way that Ketone IQ looks, we call it the Maui sunrise where it's got this, if you're watching, you can see it behind me. It's like this red to orange to yellow. Yep. It's, this, it's this gradient of, of art direction that we have where it looks like the way that ketones feel like. And how do you map that? It's like ketones have this, it's, a, it's this drink that crosses a blood brain barrier that switches on your eyes 
a certain way. How do you map that to like a color gradient? I don't know. It just feels like a sunrise. It doesn't feel like it should be blue or green or purple. It, it feels like it's this red sunrise. And then it translates into everything else. Like what does your, what sounds do you use when you post on social media or you have a podcast? What does it feel like when people are navigating around your site? So having having your graphic design matched to the type of language you're using in your copy, matched to the type of sounds that you're using on platforms where there's sounds, having that all match, it sounds very abstract because like it's more art than science. Like how how do you map that all together? But you know it when you see it. You know it when there's this coherent experience where when you go into like a really nice setting, a really nice restaurant, or you're just experiencing a brand that you really like, where everything kind of matches across yeah. the senses, across the way that you like the, the feel of the key of your car versus it, the way that it smells inside of your car versus the way that the UX panel looks when you see it, like it all matches, it all resonates and compounds on a certain vibe that the brand is trying to build. It's hard to do that. It's hard to lead that. But that's the holy grail, I would say, in good product yeah. design is synesthesia. All of the surface area of your brand kind of rhymes with itself. And it's just, it can be very tricky. How do you have like a color that matches to a sound? It's like, <laughs> but it's you a know thing. when you see but it, though. Yeah, I think that's, that's where it's, it becomes... A, what's that? No, no, it's a thing. And I think it's, you know, incredibly well said. The way I've always heard that referred to is like, you want a family. You know, I, oftentimes in design, you'll hear people talk about familying things or that this should feel family. And it really is just a sense that, to, to your point, it's like, you want s- symmetry in that everything reflects all the other pieces of the brand and holi- and it kind of creates a sum is much bigger, much greater than, than you know, the value of each of the individual parts um, effect. I've never heard anyone describe it as synesthesia and I've never heard anyone articulate it that way, but I mean, it's incredible. I think it's, <laughs> like, I'm, I'm learning something and I've done design for, for a number of decades. So I love, I love that point. Um, I, I want to switch tax here and talk about books. And, you know, the question I wanted to ask was one, I know you're a runner. There's a lot of great books of, around running, you know, that I've heard people refer to. And so the question I want to ask is just, are there any books that come to mind around athleticism or peak performance uh, that you'd recommend to others? And then similarly, maybe there's fewer in this category, any books that um, have been helpful to you as a founder and entrepreneur? Yeah, there's a few different answers to that question. Top of the list got to be Shoe Dog. <laughs> Phil Knight's book at Nike, amazing. It's a it's a perfect blend of business, how he built Nike, how he just was staring into the abyss and chewing on glass and built the uh, you know, one of the most impactful companies of the last fifty plus years. And it was not easy, not obvious. He dealt with a lot of really difficult aspects, just com- like some major pivots and. And he's a big runner. He's you know, on the Oregon track and field team. And really cool how he ties it all together across business and running. So whether you're a runner, pick up that book. If you're into business, pick up that book. I think it's a, got something for everyone. A couple of specific books. I, so I love Born to Run. A lot of, that's, that's a big one in the running world where they talk about how the running communities and there's a group in Mexico called the Tara, Tara Umara, where they run essentially barefoot or like very minimal shoes. And they're some of the best 
ultra endurance athletes in the world. They talk, that book talks a lot about the anthropology, about how humans are literally born to run and how our body is built. The fact that we're upright, the way that our metabolism works, it goes into a lot there. Humans can outrun a horse over a long enough time horizon. So over 24 hours, humans can go further than a horse. You can't go far, faster than a horse, you know, around one lap of the Kentucky Derby. Horse is going to win. But over a long enough time horizon, humans are the best endurance creature on the planet. And so there's a strong hypothesis around endurance hunting being a big part of how we survived that we were just like, you know, we weren't like racing, but it's just like jogging 10 minute miles and chasing down antelopes until the antelope got tired. And then you're close enough to be able to hit it with a spear. And maybe that's, you know, 10 miles, 15 miles. And humans are very much born to run. It kind of runs counter to the whole Nike thing where like we didn't have Nikes during that whole period. Uh, we were running kind of barefoot. And, you know, Nikes are this great innovation that help us run really quickly. But our feet work really well, going back to barefoot. And humans are, in a lot of ways, born to run. Third example, I mean, if, if we're talking on, on health and fitness in general, I really like this book called Run For Your Life. It's a little bit more practical. Born to Run, I would say, is more of a nonfiction anthropology about how humans have evolved and how running has been part of it. This book called Run For Your Life, it's by this guy named Dr. Kukazella. What's, okay, what's interesting about Mark Kukazella is this guy has been running sub-three-hour marathons for three decades. Wow. So he's not the fastest person in the world. Like he, he never won the Olympics or anything like that. But he's an MD, and he's been running Boston qualifying times for decades. And his whole stance on running and how he has managed to avoid injury and how he seems to get stronger as he gets older, it's all based on really good moving patterns. He's also into barefoot and minimal running. He's into really good movement patterns. He's, re- he's into... Uh, you know, lower go do a lot of running at lower heart rates, but do it consistently. Run for your life is a great one. Even if you're not a super serious runner, he talks about how he likes to go golfing. But when he goes golfing, he'll do it barefoot or in super minimalist types of shoes. And just spending more time as a barefoot or close to barefoot human is a is a big part of how he's been able to have this longevity of career as a elite runner without having major injury. Yeah, those are fantastic books. And you're maybe the second or third person that's recommended Chew Dog. I still haven't uh, read it. So it's a good nudge that I actually need to read that book. I want to ask for a second, um, just talk about habits. And, you know, my favorite way to kind of frame this question is always, what tiny habit has had the biggest positive impact on your life or on your performance? I have a couple. One is simple rule of do something active every day. I like it in its simplicity. It is not a hard rule to state. It's not a hard rule to follow. And I'm not saying that people need to run seven miles a day or whatever, but that doing something active every day seems to be this magic unlock where even if it's a 45-minute walk while you're taking calls or meetings, or you have a certain calisthenics that you do first thing in the morning or at your lunch break, that doing something active every day seems to be this magic unlock where the human body is meant to move around. A lot of us are, are in this mode where we're, we're cerebral, right? Our occupation is we're working on spreadsheets or sending emails or making calls. And we're very much in our own head, but our head exists inside of our body and you can't escape it. And you don't have to be this like super athlete 
but you can't deny that you're you can't deny your body and like you have to do something to respect the body that you are inside of your brain's going to have a hard time getting peak performance if your body is not dialed in so i think doing something active every day is it's again it's an easy rule to follow it's, it's easier to do something 100% of the time than it is 80% of the time i find cuz you don't want to ever be negotiating with yourself you don't want to be oh it's tuesday is this the day off it's like go for a walk man like go do some go do pushups well and do, and do what you can do today you know I, I, what i love that principle is it's also very democratic in that it's not like i think in my experience the way people shoot themselves in the foot is they set this unrealistic daily goal you know i used to for myself always have like i need to go exercise for an hour and there were days where that was possible there was a lot of days where it wasn't but by just having setting the bar really really low i mean it makes it so just do something <laughs> oh yeah set the bar super low i think walking is the most underrated activity yeah. Walking is amazing. Walking gets you significantly most of the benefits of running. It's way easier. You can listen to a podcast. You can make a phone call. It's not that hard. Yep. S- stop and smell the roses. Go walk to the walk to the coffee shop that's like the third furthest coffee shop from your house. Right? Like park further away from your office. Like whatever it is. Like it's walking is walking is amazing. And yeah, go go for whatever level you're at. I don't think you need to. I think you said it well. Like, like do you, you don't have to set the bar super high. Whatever, whatever, do something active every day means for you. Yeah, that day, do it. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's a great. The other little thing, great. just to answer the question, the other little thing I do is like I'm a high stamina person, but I actually like I block off most of the afternoon for no meetings. Like I don't generally do meetings after two p.m. I have a block on my calendar. If something's P0 on fire, like I'm available, I can talk, but I don't operate that well. I think a good meeting generally leads to an abundance of follow-ups off of that where there's, oh, I got to connect this dot. I got to do this. this. Like, I don't understand how people take meetings all day. Like I need, I take meetings. And it's kind of like, like you go hunting and then you got to like bring it back and process what you just hunted. <laughs> like I, I, a little trick that works for me is I, I got to spend at least several hours in the day like defragmenting my brain and following up on things from meetings i I just do not do all day meetings like yeah no i love that i mean i love that principle and it it totally makes sense and yeah i mean similarly i can relate to that a lot and i mean the way i would describe that is i just often feel like people don't allow themselves enough deep work time or deep thought time in a day. And especially on those days, I mean, my least favorite days are the days where I go from meeting to meeting to meeting to meeting to meeting. And they have to happen. They have to happen sometimes. But at the end of those days, I'm like, what the hell just happened? And what did I get done? And where am I? And what am I focused on? I just (laughs) like leads to just a feeling of, I don't know, like not being centered and grounded and having a clear sense. So no, I'm very much with you on that. Um, Last question, and again, I could you know talk with you for another hour, so thank you for the time. Last question. If you could go back to the start of your career, um, or even you know go back to, co- to yourself in, in college and whisper some words of advice in your ear, is there any advice you would give your younger self? I would tell myself to find more mentors along the way. There's something really tricky about being a founder where the whole reason that you're a founder is because 
you you know something that goes radically against the grain of the status quo and you have to be stubborn about it you have to know you have to be willing to be loud about something where especially in the early days like 9 out of 10 other people aren't seeing what you're seeing and so you have to have this stubbornness this bullheadedness about it you cannot just go with the flow. If you go with the flow, you're going to get the same results as everyone else. You're trying to do something iconoclastic and new and different. At the same time, 80% of the way your business runs should be like super boring and super pattern matchy. Like just use Gusto and QuickBooks and Shopify and like use the normal boring stuff. Like do not reinvent the wheel for 80% of what you're doing because the 20% of what you're doing that's really special and interesting, that's going to take 100% of your time. It could and should. But have more... I, I, in the early days, I think my co-founder and I, we had a lot of energy and like we were building our own Ruby on Rails stack for our e-commerce store and we're doing ketones. We're doing this and it's like, whoa, chill. Like we don't have to do everything. You don't have to reinvent every wheel. <laughs> right, don't reinvent every wheel. <laughs> And so I would say having some, some, be more open to some mentors along the way, having that, if I can convey that sense of, you know, copy paste for 80%, focus on what's really special sauce about your company and, and the other stuff, don't reinvent it. And, you know, buy Bitcoin. By Bitcoin, <laughs> you know, the day after it was minted, which which no one's yeah. ever <laughs> is, yeah, yeah. is impossible. And also <laughs> Ethereum, and you know, there's probably a couple others you might want to yeah. add into that mix. Um, well, that is the whis- whisper b- board apes. Yeah, oh, just God. whisper. Yeah. Just what, you know, 19 year old you has no idea what that means. <laughs> yes, and then also whisper the the date of the peak price. You know, to your to your yes. early self, so you, you know exactly yep. when, when you should be selling. Um, Thank you so much for the time, Michael. This has been so much fun. I, you know, really admire what you've built at HBMN and the, the thoughtfulness with, with which you've approached it. Um, and it's just been so much fun to talk with you today. So thanks for the time. I appreciate you coming on. Appreciate you, Daniel. Thanks so much. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. You can find the show notes and transcript at outlieracademy.com slash 119. That's 119. For more from Michael Brandt, listen to episode 116, where he joins me on our Outlier Founder series to go deep on HVMN, which makes the world's first drinkable ketones. HVMN stands for Human Via Modern Nutrition, and in 2017, they launched version 1.0 of their drinkable ketones product. After landing a $6 million contract with the U.S. Department of Defense to study how ketones could improve the performance of our Special Forces warriors, they launched version 2.0 called Ketone IQ in November 2021. Ketones are what your body naturally produces when it breaks down fat for energy when your body is in a state called ketosis, which you might have heard of. Everyone from Tim Ferriss to Ben Greenfield has been raving about the health benefits of ketosis for years. HVMN was the world's first company to bring drinkable ketones, which are ketones that you can drink and that pass through your digestive system to the market. And today they're used by everyone from Navy SEALs to Tour de France cyclists, hedge fund investors, athletes, and executives all around the world. For more on HVMN, listen to episode 116 or visit outlieracademy.com slash 116. You can find videos for all of our interviews, including this one on YouTube at youtube.com slash outlieracademy. On our channel, you'll find all of our full-length interviews as well as our favorite short clips from every episode, including this one. So make sure to subscribe. We post new videos and clips every single week. And if you haven't already, follow us on Twitter and find us on LinkedIn at Outlier Academy. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you right here with a brand new episode next Friday.